Bye there. Dawn and Rob's Bod Pod. Fitness, health and well-being from Petersfield Community Radio. Welcome to Dawn and Rob's Bod Pod. Hi, and I'm Rob, local personal trainer in the Petersfield area. And today we are in Sephorium Positive Health and Beauty in Lavent Street, and we're joined by Sarah, who is the owner. Hello. And Sarah, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yes, I come from a sort of strange background where I started off as a designer, and then through my life collapsing in just about every level that you can imagine, I hit the decks, trained as a counsellor, sorted out my own mind-body-spirit, Uh, trained as a medium, which I worked for a long time. Um, I'm an energy therapist. I'm also a reverend, uh, so I trained as a multi-faith minister, and that involved uh, studying 12 of the world's main religions, which was really fascinating because I love what makes people tick. Um, But I specialise now in um, addiction counselling and the subtleties of addiction because it's not these days just a case of people rolling in the gutter. It's very subtle and people are often multi-addicted. Okay, so that's really what we are here to talk about today is obviously the addiction with regard to the food side of things for people but also on the other side is the sport and fitness. Yes, and those two are often very linked. Yeah. So, Rob, have you got anything sort of um, that you want to put forward? You must know a few people who are addicted to... Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's interesting looking at almost what determines you to be addicted to something, which I'm definitely interested in hearing hearing your views on that, um, Sarah. And, yeah. Um, so I guess what, what would make someone addicted to something? What's well, that? I think the definition of addiction is a compulsion to either a behaviour or a substance that we become out of control with. So the definition of compulsion with addiction is that we can't control it. So whether that's grabbing an extra biscuit from the biscuit tin, which we all know about, Mm -hmm. we've all sort of thought, well, I'll just have one more, one more, one more, and our hand keeps going in that biscuit tin. We all understand addiction. But for some people, it really is something that is out of control. So the way that I would define it when I'm looking at people when they come to me and their lives are unmanageable, is there a behaviour or a substance that they are compelled to do or have and they don't understand why. So that's kind of the, the basis of it. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So is addiction something that's to do with the brain or something that's happened in our past or what, you know... It, is it a brain thing that can how, be fixed? Or, yeah. How does <laughs> it happen? Yeah, how does yeah. it happen? Well, it can come from many different ways. So um, often we can have traumas from childhood that we that are totally unconscious. And it can be something like maybe mummy and daddy were rowing all the time. Mm. Every time they had a row, they would give you a sweet afterwards. Um, so then you associate having sugar with feeling better after a trauma. And then... We begin to self-medicate. So maybe mummy and daddy would be arguing. We'd go straight to the biscuit tin or the sweetie jar and start having a sugar hit. So the brain then, because sugar is very, very, very addictive, they think it's actually probably the most addictive substance on the planet other than crystal meth, which is, you know, it doesn't say much for sugar. But, you know, when, when we get these hits in the brain, we so we basically have a dopamine hit. So we release endorphins, which then becomes dopamine, and it is very, very addictive. Mm. So the brain 
um, is geared always for our survival towards making life better. So we're all hardwired to be looking for pleasure and looking for happiness, right. which is great. You know, that's as it should be. And that's what makes us uh, move out of caves and start developing nice things. What happens um, when we get too much of a hit is that the recall centers in the brain start to demand that hit again. But they also want it bigger and they want it harder. So this is why you get people heli-skiing down mountains, even though maybe three of their friends were killed the week before. Right. So it's looking for that bigger and bigger hit that the recall centers in the brain is desperate for. And so this is why compulsion is so difficult to get yourself out of. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And so treatments for that is that really you sort of should try and see someone or can people well on the food side if we sort of yeah i mean addiction is such a tricky beast i always think it's like having a, a slippery bar of soap in the shower you know you chase it around and addiction usually if it's not dealt with um just changes form so we all know people who've probably been alcoholics who then suddenly find religion and become you know uh religious aholics yeah and uh, start banging on about that so you know or they start smoking or they deal with the eating and then they go into compulsive gambling or shopping so it doesn't really matter what the chosen um, substance or behavior is the brain is just seeking that hit and it will deviate all the time so it's mm. a very sneaky creature so when we're looking at um, of, with healing it I think we need to be looking absolutely at counselling, absolutely at 12-step programmes yep. and reading a lot about it because the brain that is setting up and causing the problem in the first place is not the brain that will deal with it. It's a progressive illness. It doesn't get better unless you're in recovery and that's the difficulty with addiction because most people are in huge denial. Yeah, I suppose you've got to admit it to yourself first before you can even take that first well, step. <laughs> in, in Step one. <laughs> step one came to know that my life was out of control. Mm. Step two came to know that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. So in step one, it's admitting how probably weak and frail we are. Mm. And most people find that excruciating. Because, you know, we, when we grow up in families where there is addiction running, it's just, you know, daddy was a workaholic and away all the time or, you know, mummy's doing whatever. Mm. Um, what happens is that the whole family goes into denial. So everyone is pretending that nothing's happening. Right. And that's how addiction thrives. So we carry on pretending that nothing's happening. And then, obviously, we just get worse and worse. And... My experience is, unless we are getting the help we need, it doesn't get better. Right. So you must come across a few, because Rob, obviously you have people, being a personal trainer, people are obviously coming to you because they want to be fitter and probably quite a few that are wanting to lose weight. Mm. So you must have sort of quite a few, you must see this quite a lot, I would have thought, with clients. Yeah, I think um, there's a real balance, isn't there? There's, mm. there's the one side of trying to make it a healthy habit, so trying to change... Um, perhaps things that aren't going to get you on the right track towards leading a healthy lifestyle. Um, but there's the other side of um, if they have potentially an addictive um, nature mm. coming in every day 
or you know, twice a day sometimes um all they look at or they think about or all their hit is the next exercise session mm. and yeah I, i've seen that quite a few times in in different ways in kind of how those classes um are a good one because they're always available classes yeah. and most gyms are available every day um and it's a community thing too um and it's almost that i don't know i want to call it addiction of, of i want to go and prove to myself but other people that i'm here all the time mm-hmm. um and i'm i'm consciously here um, but also unconsciously, sometimes you walk in and, and there's a few that people that I speak to and ask them what they're doing and they have no idea. Yeah. But they're there. That's that's the thing. Yeah. But their habit is getting to the to the gym or class or whatever. Mm. They might not know what they're going to do, but they need to just get there. And that's, that's right. And that's identical to an alcoholic just keeping reaching for that bottle. Right. So I would say that in that situation people who are finding the compulsion to go and be at the gym and they don't even know that they've turned up there really Mm. you know that they're quite unconscious with their actions that they are craving the endorphin hit but they have lost the ability to discern why they need it it's like reaching for that biscuit tin Mm. endlessly and you don't even know your hands in there so in terms of recovering it's about finding consciousness around the behavior and so for example would you suggest um speaking to the individual and and identifying a training plan um that is over let's say instead of seven days maybe over five days and including a rest day in that and explaining the reasons a rest day is really beneficial to health and recovery and well-being and that kind of thing and and being more like you said conscious of it i i would but it's not going to resolve the addictive side you know if you're really finding that somebody is um compulsively exercising then ultimately in recovery i would probably be saying to them Let's see if we can go a day without or two days without or a week without. And although to you and I that might sound quite normal, to somebody who is in active addiction, it's unbearable. I think that would seem a long, long time, wouldn't it, if they go like twice a day to the gym and then all of a sudden it's nothing for a week. But it's the same as saying to an alcoholic, you're not having another drink. For for us, we would think, okay, well, I won't go for a week. But somebody who's an in got a compulsion to a particular thing would find that absolutely unbearable would you try and replace that gym session with something on that well i think the thing i would be suggesting is that maybe you think they have a bit of an issue but nobody wants to be told that they're in addiction so you have to be very careful because the backlash can be awful Mm. it's like taking away the bottle of vodka from the alcoholic they will hate you so Maybe just gently suggesting that they need to go and talk to somebody. And it would need to be somebody who specialises in addiction because not all counsellors understand the world of addiction. Mm. So I come from a family of addiction, so I know it very well. And my my chosen addiction is codependency, which is um, looking after others. So I was always the one that was picking up the pieces, driving all the addicts around, you know, the one who was sweeping up the problems, sorting out. And when you are confronted with an acting out addict, it's very, very difficult to suggest anything because they hate you for it. So unless they're ready, there's not a lot you can do. You can suggest that, but they probably won't take any notice.
Mm. It's, it, it's also understanding who really is addicted to, exactly. to exercise and who is just, oh, no, I'm doing it because I enjoy it and that's something that is part of my routine. Or loneliness, I suppose. Some yes. people might be lonely yeah. and that's why they go a couple of times because it's, it's a bit of a they community. Get, yeah. If you go to the gym at the same time every day, then there's similar faces mm. and it could be, yeah. Exactly. And I, th- I think the thing to acknowledge with that is most people who are in, in addiction, who are acting out, as we call it, when they're actively doing their addiction, they are hiding feelings that they don't know they've got so when I'm working with clients one of the first things I do with them is to help them to start to identify how they're feeling so it might be something you could bring into your clients when you're working with them and say you know when you turn up at the gym every day how are you actually feeling and I also ask people to give me three words to describe their feelings so I'm feeling confused I'm feeling sad I'm feeling excited And to just begin to teach people that there are feelings that are happening that are making them do the compulsion. And even just learning to identify your feelings can be a huge part of recovery. Mm. It's really looking at yourself in the mirror, isn't it? When someone asks you, how are you feeling? You could go, yeah, I'm fine. Mm. Very British. Yes, fine. Um, But yeah, actually having to, is holding that mirror up in front of yourself, I suppose, which makes people feel quite exposed. Yes, and and coming from the history of of sort of British uptighted holding on to our feelings, um, we can find that quite difficult. So one of the things I always try and encourage people to do is to start to talk about how they feel, but really how they feel. Mm. Because when we are in a family of denial... So maybe maybe mummy's an alcoholic and and the child comes home and the mother's crashed out on the sofa. You know, daddy might be saying, well, mummy's just got a headache today. Yet everything within the child knows that something is terribly wrong. Yeah. And that's how we begin to deny reality and deny feelings. So the child would be feeling very, very um, confused and worried and anxious. But daddy might be saying, everything's fine. You know, mummy's just got a headache. Mm. And that's how we begin to switch off from our instincts and what we know to be real and true for us and to listen to other people and what's right for them. So in recovery, we we look to uh, really study how we feel and are we denying our feelings? And usually we are. So in that scenario, would you suggest to that father say to their child this is actually the the real situation yes i would would you yes absolutely but that's not how addiction thrives Mm. so addiction of any kind whether it's eating overeating undereating, exercise sex drugs um shopping food spinning you know it can be all sorts of things anger addiction all of it is thrives because people around them are codependent and let them get away with it So, you know, these days I name it for what it is. I might be saying to clients, what I'm witnessing is that you're going to the gym every day um, and you're also eating a cream cake every day and you're doing this, that and the other. How do you feel about that? You know, uh, to try and get some sort of honesty. Mm. The other thing that addiction thrives under is shame. So shaming people, and particularly when I'm working with people in exercise addiction, they usually feel very shamed about their body. Mm. They're not feeling good at all. Mm. That's an interesting one, actually, because I, I know a few um, clients I've trained in the past who 
have this vision of themselves that is completely wrong of what they actually look like but they have yeah. body dysmorphia in particular there's a lady I trained who is in phenomenal shape I mean you know women would kill to be in that shape and you know I'm just fat I'm just yeah. fat I'm just fat yeah. so I won't eat this I won't eat that yeah. I'm going to cut out carbs I'm going to exercise every mm. day and that's how she viewed but she really did view herself absolutely absolutely and I don't think any of us really have probably a true perspective about what we really look like or are because, um, you know, my feeling is that we're all fabulous, divine, wonderful people. Mm. And some of us have adopted behavior that's not healthy. But it doesn't mean that we're not good people. We're just in pain. Yeah. And I think with um, I was talking to a friend and she was saying that she, you know, is on a bit of a cycle and a roller coaster with her food where she will do days and days and days of eating absolute rubbish Mm. um and tends to do it i suppose when she's at home on her own because husband's at work and the kids are at school so it's sort of you feel you know like naughty because i suppose you're eating it but you you really want to you want to and then of course five six days later you feel awful about yourself and then you'll go on this right that's it i'm not eating any of this and then it just all comes back round again so is there like a child thing there because they are eating when everyone secretly i suppose well yes i mean this is to do with with um with diet and food as well and what it can actually do to the body um but i think it's it's mostly what we're addicted to in that sort of situation is the hit of starving and then eating Mm. so we're actually getting a big endorphin rush through um becoming hungry not eating the body goes into survival mode it's obviously beginning to shut down um people can feel quite euphoric when they're hungry because that's one of the ways that the body tells us that we need to eat and so then when we do eat we're getting that big old uh, dopamine hit again and so what we tend to do is set up scenarios whether it's eating or anything else where we are creating a problem that we can then go in and get the hit and solve so you know we're we're very clever in mm. us. It's 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 basic survival because we're always seeking pleasure. But when it gets to a point where we are making ourselves ill, then obviously we've got both sides of the coin going on there: yeah. the pain and the pleasure. Mm. Well, it's fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah. We're a very complex little thing. <laughs> we are so complex, yeah. you know. And I certainly don't claim to have all the answers, but. Having, I've worked with a lot of people in addiction and recovery and so I kind of have worked out how the brain is operating and what we're doing. And when you have someone who has an addiction to something, mm. does everyone recover from this addiction? Is that something that can be taught? and, can, and, and Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that anybody can recover from addiction but I do fly a bit in the face of recovery who um, they always say once you're an addict you're always an addict but I believe in the power of recovery and the power of the mind and the power of humans Mm. that we can transform anything if we put our mind to it. I really do. So often when we go to 12-step groups, we're told we have to be there for life, that if you stop going to 12-step groups, then you will slide and you will slip back into your recovery. But I feel if the brain has created enough transformation and change, then I think it's permanent. Yeah. But not not everyone agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, mm. Do you see 
um, people having an addiction to one thing and then changing to another thing. To yeah, replace. totally. You know, I always say it's a, when I'm working with people, it's a little bit. Do you remember that game with the pop up frogs? Yeah. Where you mm-hmm. bash one over the head and then two more pop up, <laughs> or you bash two and then three more pop up. Addiction is a bit like that. So, you know, we we get one area under control and and uh, conscious. And then usually something else starts to spring up. And that's fine. In recovery, we just work with where we are and what comes up. So somebody who was smoking might suddenly then start overeating. Mm. Or um, somebody who's in sex love addiction might then go into gambling. So it's normal and doesn't phase me at all. I just think, okay, we're just shifting around, playing, playing with it until we can sort the brain state out. Because... For the brain, it doesn't matter what the hit is, whether it's exercise, food or whatever, it's the same compulsion for the hit of the chemicals that it's craving. No matter where that comes from. doesn't matter. Yeah. It's irrelevant. So I'm not phased whether we're talking about alcohol or we're talking about drugs or whatever it is. It's the same thing. And I have huge compassion for it because I think, you know, we tend to think of addiction as um, something really frightening and terrible. But if you think of it as a way that we survived something from childhood, usually, but not always, but we survived something that felt unmanageable. And as children, we have no ability to deal with the huge wave of emotions that we get. You know, we get that huge feeling of overwhelm as children, and we we can't process it because the frontal lobes of the brain are not developed enough. So as an adult, when we're in recovery, what we can do is we can pull the feelings from the kidneys you know the fight or flight Mm. that are making us think i've got to get out of here or or i'm going to die we can pull those feelings from the animal part of the brain through to the frontal part of the brain the frontal lobes and then start to process it it's interesting Mm. what's your opinion on um the the impact of of social media at the moment Uh, many um clients with addiction for social media is oh that, yes yeah? is that <laughs> oh, becoming yes. more regular yes and certainly for myself you know because I know that I can be quite addictive in my thinking if I'm not careful I have to be on it and you know every now and then I put my phone down for a month because I can feel myself slowly being sucked into the world of of um, social media mm. and I think in terms of pe- how people look you know it's appalling the way people are exposed for having a little bit of cellulite on their bottom or whatever it might be not only that the pressure to um spend time on on social media is addictive especially with pictures all over like with instagram there is all these girls who have all got these supposedly perfect bodies Mm. and they eat these fantastic food and of course then i suppose for for kids and stuff as well especially teenagers then really honing in on these you know girls that aren't perfect and a lot of it is photoshopped everywhere yeah well there was a very frightening um uh, survey done where they i think they they had a load of of uh, men to look at pictures of naked women mm. and um to say which ones they liked and not one of the women who were natural got picked oh. so it was all the women with enhanced breasts with with implants with fake cheeks you know with facelifts botox not one of the normal women and when they asked all the men why they didn't pick any of the women who were natural um they were told that they weren't normal because the social media image of what a woman looks like is not what women look like yeah really no and uh, i found that really quite something that's really sad 
losing battle, isn't yeah. it? It's quite scary. I know a lot of, um, I think it was actually Instagram themselves have banned certain um, uh, companies, supplement companies, um, mm. um, skinny tea type companies um, from saying, from being on Instagram. Um, so they would have these, you know, impossibly good looking women saying, oh, I look like this because I've had this product. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, um, in- influential teens would go and buy this product and it yeah. didn't help. Um, but they've actually started coming down on certain products, which is which is good. But yeah. it's the start of a Yeah. Well, I'm problem. glad that I'll be retiring at about the time when I think it all hits the fan because um, in, in 10 or 20 years' time, because it's also things like pornography, which they reckon, you know, it's so available on, on social media. And it can really take, for people with an addictive personality, one or two viewings for them to become totally hooked. And that's quite scary. Mm. So, and also gambling is another big thing. It's easy to do, get your phone out and just start gambling. And those are two things that they reckon are going to explode. So hope to be retired by then. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's wonderful, though. Some of the um, positive side of that on the Instagram, for example, is that there's a couple of fitness girls that actually are showing themselves in their true light, mm. which is lovely because they've 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 been sort of putting these perfect images up. Um, and there's one in particular who I, I I do follow, and I ask my daughter to as well because she has now started saying, do you know what? that's a load of rubbish I didn't actually look like that everybody this is what I'm like yeah. and she has got cellulite and she has got you know her little rolls on her tummy and and it's wonderful and she embraces all of that and does lots of videos of herself in you know in her bikinis and sort of bent over and showing her flabby bits and yeah. her wobbly body and oh. you know and it's really lovely to see yeah and, and she's only a young girl herself and there's there's a few that seem to be sort of following on from her um, being given so, permission I think that's wonderful to hear yeah really lovely because often you know obviously in the beauty salon here we have a lot of people who want to, who come in and want to be different mm. and I always say to them stick with the natural you're beautiful the way you are you know you don't need to have buttocks and all the rest of it yeah and I think there is a wave beginning to turn mm. where and, and it needs to be led by women but also for men to be encouraging that and and not expecting women to look like supermodels when mm. they don't mm. no you know um so i think there is a change happening but um it's very alluring to go with what the majority are doing yeah well this has been wonderful i've enjoyed this very much thank you so much sarah oh, pleasure. and if people obviously want to seek help from mm. yourself then what would they need to do? Well, they can either come into Zephorium. We're 14 Lavent Street, uh, Positive Health and Beauty, and have a chat with me or one of the girls. Um, so I work from the clinic here. Um, or they can go onto the website, which is um, www.zephorium.com, um, or have a look at some of the um, 12-step groups, mm-hmm. which are very, very helpful. And there is actually one... I can't, couldn't find one in, in England, but there's a very good website in America, uh, which is exerciseaddictsanonymous.org. And it looked very helpful for people who feel that they are maybe on a treadmill, literally, that they can't get off. Um, but I'm very happy. I'm here on a Thursday and a Saturday to chat to anybody who feels that they might have an issue. Yep, or they can email you. Definitely, yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Rob? Thank you very much. That was really, really interesting. Pleasure.
pleasure. Thank you. Join Rob and myself for the next pod pod. Dawn and Rob's Bod Pod. Find all our audio at petersfieldradio.uk or search for Petersfield Community Radio wherever you get your podcasts.